Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the go-to place for entrepreneurs and sales enthusiasts who are eager to elevate their game. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and today we're in for a treat. Our guest is none other than Todd Capone, a luminary in the world of sales, decision science, and leadership. Todd is not just an author of award-winning books like The Transparency Sale and The Transparent Sales Leader, but also a beacon of wisdom in sales methodology and decision science. Todd, welcome to the show. A luminary. That's impressive. That's quite a <laughs> word. Thank you. I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, hey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey from sales to becoming an award-winning author? I'd love to hear some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's quite a story. Um, so longtime sales leader, but always been a nerd for the profession. <laughs> I've always cared about like, you know, for anybody who's viewing the video of this behind me, i you know, when cool people are doing cool things on the weekends, I'm reading late 1800s, early 1900s books and magazines wow. on sales and sales leadership, building almost like a little museum here. But here's what happened. Um, it was a few years ago. I was the chief revenue officer of a company here in Chicago where I'm based. And we were in the ratings and review space, meaning you're buying something online, say it's a pair of Crocs or a sweater on Vineyard Vines. You look at the product. Scroll down, there's reviews. That was us. We were the engine behind the collect and display of those reviews. But here's what happened. Uh, we did a research study with Northwestern University. And it was simply to just look at buyer behavior when a website was acting as a salesperson. Like, what do people do? Three data points came out of it. Two of them changed my life like it only happened to a nerd. So here's the three. So the one that didn't change my life is... Yeah, We all read reviews today, right? We're, we're buying we something do. we haven't bought before that matters. We're reading reviews. But here's the two that got my nerdy brain going. Number one was most of us, it was 85% of the time, skip the five-star reviews and read the negative reviews <laughs> first, right? You probably do that, Glenn, right? So <laughs> it doesn't make us a weirdo. We just 
go to the negative first. We read the fours, threes, twos, and ones. Yeah. And the last data point was a product on a five-star scale. And this is across all product categories. Some skew higher, some skew lower. But the optimal review score, average review score on a five-star scale for purchase conversion is between a 4.2 and a 4.5. And so I looked at that and I was like, wait a second. So products that have negative reviews sell at a higher conversion rate than a product that has nothing but perfect five-star reviews. You know, question number one is why? Question number two is, is that only when a website's acting as a salesperson or is it actually applied to human to human or B2B selling? Like, do we need the negative first to be able to process the positive? Yeah. I dug into it and all the behavioral science was saying, yes, that like we, we need the negative. We can lead with it. So we started trying it. And the next thing you know, Power Reviews became Chicago's fastest growing tech company from 2014 to 2017. And what we were doing was leading with what we gave up to be great at our core, leading with transparency. I, I We got so excited about it. I like a lunatic quit my job, wrote a book and uh, the rest is history. So transparency sells better than perfection and due to the proliferation wow. of reviews and feedback. Now we got to do it anyway. And that, that's kind of the long winded story of how I am sitting here across awesome. to you right now. And so, so how do you think the transparency impacts the sales process? Like, I mean, what do you think is happening there? Well, we, as human beings, there's two things. Number one is we know at a subconscious level that perfection doesn't exist. Right. right. Like when, when somebody's coming at us with five-star speak, we're kind of feeling gross. Like we want to go take a shower and we need that negative to be able to process the positive. Yeah. And so that's number one is that when all we're doing is talking about how great we are and how the competitors suck, we're actually making it harder on buyers to trigger purchase decisions, not easier, which leads to number two is historically, I was brought up in sales thinking that my role as salesperson is to convince. Like, I got to convince you to buy from me. Turns out that's not how our brains work. Our brains don't buy when we're convinced, or if we are convinced, we're probably pissed about it 20 minutes later. We buy when we can predict. Like, we're prediction machines. And that's why when a website's acting as a salesperson, we read the negative first. But when a human is acting as a salesperson, when we lead with, hey, this is what we're not great at, and if that's going to be important... Let's address that now before we get too deep. Or my pricing yeah. is at this level. If that doesn't align with your expectations, let's talk about that first. When we lead with that negative, we disarm that buying brain. We build trust. And the impact to your question is sales cycles speed up. Win rates go up. We qualify in faster and better. The opportunities we should be winning. Even better, we disqualify or qualify out the deals that we're going to lose anyway, just faster so we can use that precious inventory that we have, which is our time in the most optimal way possible. Right. So what do you, what are you working on mainly now? What's your nine to five? I mean, you obviously you're an author and uh, you were a CRO at this other company, but uh, what are you, what are you doing now? Nine to five, or maybe yeah, it's, it's nine to, maybe it's nine to noon and you, you take the afternoon. I, I wish dude, like I thought <laughs> that this would be a nice easy week and it's not, but uh, yeah. it's so, you know, when I wrote the book and this isn't just being modest, I thought the book would suck. Like I thought my friends right. would be like, oh, Todd, good for you. You wrote a book. Yay. And then I go get a job yeah. again. Now I'm in my sixth year of doing keynote speeches, doing workshops wow. around the concepts. 
And then I wrote the second book, The Transparent Sales Leader, taking a lot of those concepts and helping leadership, revenue leadership, with a structure optimized by science on a bed of transparency. So speaking and teaching and uh, doing a lot of it. Doing a lot of travel, I guess, then, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah more the, than I uh, want. Although, you know, the one good thing about COVID, I, that's a weird thing to say, but um, it is optimized the way that we do virtual. So I'm able to do a bunch here, but yeah, I'm spending too much time on airplanes too. Awesome. Um, well, can you maybe share some interesting stories from your sales techniques for, or from your historical sales literature collection, which I guess is is probably voluminous? Yeah. yeah, well, so here's a couple of things for everybody to think about. You know, given your audience, sales has a negative connotation, right? It shows right. up at the bottom of Gallup's annual list of trusted professions. And we, we kind of did that to ourselves. A, a couple right. of little interesting tidbits here that might be valuable to you is the original design of sales. So the modern, you know, companies that hire their own salespeople, train them, give them dedicated territories, variable compensation. That started in the late 1890s. And in 1903, there was a guy named Arthur Sheldon, who really was like, who I think is the goat of sales philosophers. But there's a quote that he says that really stuck with me. The original design of sales was this quote, true salesmanship is the science of service. Grasp that thought firmly and never let go. Service, that ties into this transparency piece. Like our role as sales professionals is to provide a service to our customers, to do the homework for them, to help them achieve optimal outcomes, whether it's with us or somewhere else as quickly as yeah. possible. And so the original design of sales was as a service. It was taught in every university. It was even taught in high schools. The first sales conference of all time, 1916, was keynoted by then U.S. President Woodrow Wilson at a time where the rest of the world was getting into World War I. Why? Because sales was the conduit between this industrial revolution that we are in and customers being successful, economies rising, and all boats rising along with it. Right. And I think we lost, you know, that grasp that thought firmly part of Sheldon's quote. I think yeah. we lost that piece. And I think there's a huge opportunity to, for us to get it back. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, um, shameless plug for my book, uh, <laughs> above my shoulder, above my right shoulder here. I got the, the uh, I, I have this philosophy called, uh, you know, the book is about how to get, act and stay in front of customers, but to be a pleasure to do business with always, right? Yes. And people are like, what does that mean, right? And I'm like, well, that means even when you lose the order, you still have to be a pleasure. You yes. know, even, when, even when you have to recuse yourself from the deal. And, and I mean, and I throw in all sorts of other rules where, you know, if I know that I'm not the, like you said, when, hey, these are my negative things. If these are showstoppers for you, let's let's stop now and I'll let somebody else waste time on you. And I'll go to the next client where I'm a better fit, right? But either way, I'm going to be a pleasure to do business with always, right? Yeah, and exactly. I guess that feeds into what you're saying, right? So well, it's funny, you know, they, you keep hearing today about, you know, buyers know more nowadays and like, do they need salespeople? Well, buyers know more nowadays. Those four words, it's actually a direct quote from Thomas Herbert Russell's 1912 book. <laughs> he was talking about, this was a time where, the rise of mail order catalogs and advertising was seen as a threat to the sales profession. Like, what would we need salespeople for anymore? Well, the opposite happened, right? And then you fast forward to even 2015. So just a few years ago, Forrester 
in their annual state of sales report claimed that 1 million B2B sales jobs would go away by 2020 and hundreds of thousands of, of college graduates wouldn't graduate into the sales profession because buyers knew more nowadays e-commerce. Like, what would we need sales for? The opposite happened. And why? A couple of things. Number one, more info available to buyers hasn't made it easier on them. It's actually made yeah. it harder. Harder. And through that lens of what you just talked about, yeah. like, you know, be a pleasure to be around. Being a pleasure is about being an advocate for your customer and doing the homework for them. Hey, here's the pros. Here's the cons. Here's what we're good at. Here's what we're not. And if that's a fit, perfect. If it's not, let's address those things and let's talk through it. And I'll get you into somebody else's hands as quickly as possible. This idea that Gallup just came out with this 72% of buyers prefer a, a, a rep-free experience. Of course they do. Where are these 28% that want a rep, right? Yeah. I want a rep to do the homework and to be a guide for me. If you go to the airport and you have to talk to somebody, it means you're having a bad day, right? And yeah. that same thing happens in sales that if I can buy and do all the homework on my own, I don't want to talk to a salesperson. But in most cases, I need you to be my guide to provide a service to me, to be that pleasure to be around and help me mm -hmm. make the best decisions for me, whether it's with you or with somebody else as quickly as possible. That's what sales original design was. And I believe that that's the thing that will continue to make us resilient to any technology, whether it's AI, video, wh whatever's coming next. Yeah, Sales is the science of service. Grasp that right. thought firmly and never let go. Right on. All right, so here's some conversational gymnastics. So tell me about this unicycling, juggling passion you have. And uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And I just, my son just turned 11 and he's got this, this miswire uh, like I do. <laughs> I always felt like if somebody could do something, like if there's something that is reasonably achievable, why can't I? And so, you know, see somebody unicycling, I'm like, I, I'm going to focus on it until I get it. Did the same yeah. thing with juggling in college. Me and a guy down the hall, we both got unicycles. We'd go in the courtyard. You know, we would juggle and throw the balls back and forth. Like we did that kind of crazy yeah. stuff. My son now is, um, he, he saw some stuff from like David Blaine. And yeah. now is completely like he's learning. Illusionist. Card trick and all yeah. of that. Like he'll just come <laughs> in here and say, like, I got another trick. And I'm like, dude, you're 11. And that was freaking amazing. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's just awesome. something. And yeah, I think it, it, it's yeah. something to do with this history stuff too, that like, if that knowledge is out there, I, I want to have it. Right. And yeah. so that's what I've kind of parlayed in the, the sales history stuff. I've got a podcast called the sales history podcast, which is just me pick a topic, 12 to 20 minutes, go through it, whether it's history of quotas, comp, uh, like all that stuff, sales kickoffs. I, I just, if it's there, I want to be the, the one to bring it to you. And, um, I felt yeah. the same way about some of these weird talents of mine too. Wow. That's awesome. Um, what about maybe it's uh, a pivotal uh, sort of experience or, you know, transformational or maybe just shocking or otherwise interesting experience as you're, when you were a CRO and working at, at uh, power reviews. Yeah. I mean, there's quite a few of them. Um, I, I'll tell you, I mean, it kind of, I'll go, I'll go even further back. Um, 2008. So I was running sales ops for a tech company that was based in uh, Silicon Valley here. And we weren't doing well. Um, did a riff and CEO comes to me and is like, Todd, you're smart. You run sales. Like, what? Like I'd always wanted to do that. But, I, you know, 
wow, I wasn't I wasn't sure I was ready to do it for a, like a prominent VC backed tech company. I get into the role so excited, and then about two days into it, I realized, you know what, the sales crew. Being in sales, I always had a process or a structure or a framework. In revenue leadership, where is my structure? Where is my process? Me being the nerd I was, I created one, a framework. I called it the five Fs of building revenue capacity, but I just took every responsibility a revenue leader has, categorized it, internalized that, and everything slowed down. Everything got smarter. I used it for all my planning, all my strategizing, all my communicating, and that's what led to the, the latest book, The Transparent Sales Leader, is because you're in sales leadership, if your sole focus is the pipeline, you're probably doing it wrong. If your sole focus is something like there's an opportunity to take a step back, create a structure, get comfortable, see the holes before they form and stop being the dog chasing the car down the street, mm -hmm. creating that little framework. I mean, it really changed my perspective on what leadership is and could be. And uh, I, I think it's just a real opportunity, whether you're a salesperson looking to get into leadership, you're already in leadership, you're an entrepreneur and you're building a business. Take a look at the first like chapter and in the intro of the transparent sales leader. I think Amazon's got a preview too, and you'll be 98% yeah. ahead of everybody else. So how do you balance creativity and data-driven approaches in sales in your sales strategies or for your, for your clients that you're recommending? Well, embracing creativity, I think it's um, it, it doesn't necessarily require creativity. I think it requires uh, what I call clinical empathy. Uh, clinical okay. empathy meaning, you know, you go to medical school, part of what you learn is, you know, the head bones connected to the neck, but like all that stuff, it, anatomy, but you learn how to be like how to see the world through the eyes of the people that you're trying to help and be able to communicate with them and almost experience the highs and lows with them. Um, I think that most leaders don't cultivate a culture where your reps feel comfortable doing that, that it's kind of win at all costs numbers, like mm. get the deal, you committed that, go get it instead of, again, getting back to that service component, seeing the world through the eyes of your customers and being an advocate for them. And yeah. if we can get back to that, I think that's where again, sales becomes not only valuable, but you'll have customers that buy, buy faster, stay longer and become advocates for you. Yeah, that's awesome. So how has your sales training influenced your leadership style or do you do you equate the two or? Yeah, it's funny that, you know, being a, a revenue leader, um, at the time I thought I was pretty good at it. We did really well, but it's funny that, you know, that old axiom, like, you know, those who can't sell, teach and all that. I, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I look at that and go, you know what? I wish I knew now what I knew then. Um, I never had the time to do the research, to do the reading, to do this kind of stuff that I do now. And I, I just think that doing what I've been doing the last five or six years, I just, I, I know so much more now. And my goal is to help people get out of their bubbles of, hey, we've always done it that way. Like, hey, there's an opportunity for us to just inject some kind of head slapping. Oh, yes, that's how I buy. Oh, that's how I deal with things into your leadership styles and the way that you sell. And uh, man, I just cherish this opportunity. And uh, yeah. you know, if you saw me six years ago as a CRO, I wasn't as healthy. 
I, I was right. spending too much money on Advil. Um, and yeah. My relationships with my family weren't as good. And so I, I think just my, my yeah. outlook is so much more positive and I know a lot more now than I did when I was actually in the yeah. room. Yeah. So, okay. And then again, another conversational jump here. So what's, what's the story behind the Alexander Graham Bell phone there behind you? And is that a, another phone on the shelf there? I, I can't really see that good, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Down, so, um, so this phone behind me is a, um, it's a original, it's a 1908. It's called wow. a American phone. It's a cathedral phone. Uh, completely okay. restored. Uh, the wiring in the inside still works. Uh, the, the bell still works. I I drove wow. a long way to get it. I it's it, my little rant when you say Alexander yeah. is today. You see all this talk that we are in a sales technology revolution where every last remaining crevice of the sales profession is being jammed with tech. I don't think mm. that's a good thing. Alexander Graham Bell, March 10th, 1876, made that first phone call. We ruined it, right? We were given this incredible gift of sales technology to revolutionize outreach strategies strategies in the way that we deal with customers. And we ruined it by scale, by like, you know, losing our empathy to customers, hammering yeah. them with phone calls. We needed technologies like Shirley Jackson creating caller ID that didn't work. We needed the do not call registry. 221 right. million phone numbers here in the US on that. Like Alexander Graham Bell would be rolling over in his grave. Yeah. It's, yeah. We, we did the same thing with email, right? We needed uh, junk, like spam email boxes, IP blacklist. That didn't work. We needed the Can Spam Act here in the, the US and Canada had their own because we ruined email. I see us ruining video LinkedIn, we're going to ruin AI. We're following those same processes again. And so these phones kind of act as that reminder that, hey, yeah. sales technology, we've got to see it through the eyes of the people that we're reaching out to. And don't forget, Dr. Frank, Frank Crane, 1923, he's got a quote that says, be a human being. Otherwise, your company, your corporation would have sent out a catalog. Ah. So. Be a human yeah. being, and that's these phones. This is a yeah. 1921 or 1921. Um, it is uh, it looks so cool. Electric. Yeah, it is really cool. The, the wiring is still all here. Wow, uh, completely restored. But in 1921, yeah. you might have found salespeople in an office using this to make cold calls, right? So that is very cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, and hey, and I guess that's the other thing. It's just cool, right? So that's why you want. Yeah, it's it. also it's really so... cool. I've got yeah. uh, there's all books here. Um, from yeah. 1906, uh, I've got stacks wow. of magazines here. Oh, wow. um, these, so these are from the 1950s. Uh, this is October 1955. Wow. opportunity. I've got hundreds of them. Um, I just go out and buy. You're definitely qualified to be running the Sales History Podcast. That that is for sure. And I'm you, reading you, them constantly. So yes. Yeah. You've met, you've mentioned a few times the word empathy. And I mean, I talk about that a lot, right. And, 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 um, and sort of the difference between empathy, sympathy, and compassion. And I'm always lecturing people that, you know, that, oh, they're saying, I'm so, I'm, I'm so empathic and, or they just say empathy. And I'm like, you're actually being sympathetic. You're not being empathetic. Right. You know, and, and understanding the, the difference between, you know, like really feeling what a person feels, that's empathy, right? Whereas sympathy means you just understand, right? Like, oh, that must have really hurt, like right. when they stubbed their toe. But 
empathy is actually stopping and actually climbing inside them and feeling, you know, that pain in your foot for them, right? And just to get in their shoes, right? Literally and figuratively. Exactly. So, yeah. And, um, and that's a big part of, uh, you know, part of my, uh, the training that I do for people as well as, you know, the practicing those, those principles and also active listening. And, and that's how I drive my whole idea about being a pleasure to do business with, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah. So yeah, I would, uh, I would say just one little tip for, uh, yeah. individuals, you know, especially as the economy hasn't been great. And no. one of the tendencies that we have in driving re revenue is when things get tough, we cast a wider net, right? We just like, Hey, yeah. we've been calling on these, we should call on everybody and see what comes in. I'd actually advocate for doing the opposite. Um, what I've done a couple of times, like back in the great recession, 2009, I did practice something called extreme firmographic focus. And what hmm. that meant was our company could sell to anybody who manufactured anything. But we decided, hey, for a couple months, let's just learn everything we can about aerospace and defense. Like, just pick one. Learn everything. We brought in consultants. We interviewed our customers in that space. We pulled up the case studies. We figured out what they read, what they uh you're like how, how do they get smarter about their roles, how they're measured, what's top of mind, what their inbox looks like. And the next thing you know, we grew 400% year over year. Grab, we got Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Cessna, Gulfstream. And then we went out slowly from there, like learning another sector and another sector. The reason I say that is it is very hard to be empathetic. If every day when you wake up, you're calling on 15 different industries and 15 different buyer types, right. do these sprints, like just learn a space for a couple of weeks your confidence will become contagious. Your pipeline will grow as a result. And you'll find that you can't help but be empathetic because you're seeing the world through their eyes. Otherwise, you can't do it. So just a little leave you on a, yeah. a empathetic tip there for you. Yeah. And uh, given your research, uh, like-minded, um, you know, behavior and whatever, I mean, how do you see AI and those technology influencing the sales world uh, specifically? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we go through these steps, right, where the technology comes out and then a bunch of people go, we're going to revolutionize everything and they come up with all <laughs> right. this crap. And then uh, it becomes this scale model where we forget where we're dealing with a human. We need technologies created to prevent its usage and sales. That's step three. It's happened with telephone, email, like all these things. And then step four is the government jumps in, right? And so we're not there yet, but there's a chance to avoid it. I yeah. think AI could be an incredible gift if it helps us to be efficient, to it actually can help us understand the world and the lens by which our customers are experiencing so that we can get smarter about the value that we provide to them. For example, before I ever engage with a customer, I go ask it four questions, right? And number one is like, explain to me in simple terms what this company does, like how do they make money? Number two is if I was considering a company like this, why would they be a good fit under what circumstances? Number three is, if I was considering a company like this, under what circumstances would they not be a good fit? And then number four is, if I'm evaluating a company like this, who else or what else should I be considering? Really, It'll write you a freaking essay on all of that stuff. Read yeah. it. And you can immediately become so much smarter. And, and again, that's just me. Yeah. I'm not studying AI. There's so many great ideas around how do you consolidate the effort? Your most valuable asset is your time. If you can convert that time into revenue more effectively by helping AI do the homework for you 
and be smarter so that you can provide better advice and be a service to your customers, that's where we all win. If we're using it to auto respond and write all of our stuff no, for us, yeah. and like stop it. No. it you're going to yeah. ruin it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really good advice. And uh, that's exactly actually how I use it to myself is like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be meeting with a certain type of manager. Maybe it's the CFO. And it's like, what are the four or five things that this guy cares most about when I'm presenting today? Because I might be talking to a tech, an engineer. And I mean, I may be more geeky and I know exactly how to appeal to him. But I mean, there's maybe one thing I know about the CFO guys compelling, you know, uh, concerns, but you know, and it broadens my horizons. Right. And it says, you know, think about this, 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 and this. And so then I can just show up more prepared. Right. Exactly. And and, you know, you, it's not going to write it for you in a manner that you can cut and paste it, but it's definitely going to give you a framework to work in that, you know, makes you look a little bit better read and, you know, more rounded, exactly. right? And it yeah. saves you time. Like before, yeah. I would go read their website. Yeah. I would go right. try to find reviews. I would try to, like, yeah. figure out, like, does this company do what they do? And, like, AI yeah. saves so much time. And, again, yeah. to your point, makes you smarter. It's a great opportunity, yeah. but I'm yeah. telling you. Give it some time. Salespeople are going to ruin that. Like we ruined a bunch of this other stuff, but there's time yeah. to turn back. We don't have to ruin this. Awesome. One. That's great. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. What can uh, our listeners do to get a hold of you, to learn more about you, to interact with your content? And uh, why don't you share some of that stuff with us? Yeah. I mean, the easiest place is toddcapone.com. Um, but okay. follow along on LinkedIn or, or reach out. If you connect with me, yeah. just know you heard uh, me on the profit powerhouse uh, podcast here that helps uh, but then if you're a geek for the history the sales history podcast i just do it as a hobby yeah but you can get it anywhere uh the podcast where you listen and then i post daily at sales historian on both twitter and instagram just little quotes pictures advertisements article clips from sales history's past it's an outlet for me and a lot of people seem to love it so that's at sales historian on Instagram or whatever we're calling Twitter today. Wow, that's amazing. Well, it's been a true pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much. I look forward to following up with you after and learning more about you. So thank awesome. you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, Navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the be a guest section to connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos, and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.